All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. another boring May 31st show, Oilers Nation Every Day, off-season edition. Holy shit, we have a trade to talk about. Let's get into it with the lead. Yeah, I saw Liam in my little preview in the corner. He likes the energy we're bringing right off the top. It's the Jaden Groove era, folks. Welcome to it. Life will never be the same. This Oilers organization has changed forever. Jaden Groove, the captain of the Red Deer Rebels, is a member of the Edmonton Oilers and they have roughly 24 hours to sign him to a contract or he goes back into the NHL draft. Son of a gun. The ripple effects. Liam, can you believe it? I I know. I, I am shocked by this too, Tyler. The world is really turned upside down because of this deal. Are the Oilers better today than they were yesterday? <laughs> One million percent. Tyler's so excited he's choking. This is I'm not good. on my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> This is so exciting. Wow. Yep, taking your breath away. Almost killing me. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day, live from the Sports Closet studio. Oh, check them out online, sportscloset.ca. Also, we're live on the Oilers Nation YouTube, where Liam was asking people what their worst take was from the 2023 season. Guitar Maniac says, I remember being very mad at Leon Dreisaitl after back-to-back slap shots in the shootout. And I deeply regret that. Hey, those were trying times. The Oilers had blown leads in like four straight games. I was running around saying they're going to miss the playoffs. They made the playoffs, though, so it was all okay. Uh, we have a lot to get to today on the show. Uh, what's up, Liam? Tyler, I got a quick thing before we move too far away from Guitar yeah. Maniac. Okay. So when I, I went back and I looked at our bold takes from earlier on, and Guitar Maniac, I was reading the comments, had a, had a tw- uh, comment that said, 
Ryan O'Reilly will get traded this season. And that was on October 5th. So wow. that's a big one. That's a big one. He also said the Oilers would get Patrick Kane. So 50-50 split, but we'll take the positive in this case. Hey, that was (laughs) close enough. Uh, Drop your coldest takes in the chat. Maybe you could even drop something you were dead right about as well. We'll talk about all that and more today on the show. If you're watching on the YouTube, hammer the like button, drop us a comment. You know the drill. This is like the 190th episode of this show. You know what we get up to here on Oilers Nation every day. Sherwood Ford Giant offseason question. Player grade for Star Mechanical. Trade machine for AMA Travel. But first, we got some breaking news on the show. Less than an hour ago, the Edmonton Oilers announced that they have acquired the rights to prospect Jaden Grube from the New York Rangers. Going the other way is a fifth-round pick. I love this deal, Liam, point blank. I, I don't see they're going to sign him. You don't make moves like this unless you've gotten permission from the Rangers to talk to Groob and you know he's mm-hmm. going to sign a contract. This guy's not going back into the draft. He was picked 65th overall a couple of years ago. The Rangers didn't sign him. Since then, he's really progressively gotten better. And there's a lot of reasons why I like this bet from the Oilers. But first, I want to I wanna bring up a quote from Stephen Ellis. He's a guy who watches more hockey than anyone and I asked him for his take on Groob. And if this doesn't get you nice and horned up about the new Oilers prospect, I don't know what will, Liam. He said, Groob was the best unsigned prospect available. In my opinion, he had an explosive regular season, but took his play up another level with Red Deer in the playoffs. He has a good shot, but it's his passing that you'll notice. He's also a rare three-year captain in the WHL, someone the team clearly valued. He's smart defensive center with a good six foot three frame that he's not afraid to use. That's a pretty good scouting report. I like that. Yes. Yes. I also like mm-hmm. that Tyler. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the, the three uh, captain thing is uh, something that jumped off the page when I looked at his, his elite prospects page. I mean, you very rarely see that. Right. And for the others, a fifth round pick, like what are you really going to draft at that point? And that's going to help you right away. Right. Like at least group can yeah. come into this team right now. And, possibly be an NHL call-up at some point in this season. I would imagine he spends the majority of his time in Bakersfield, but the options there, and we've, I think we've seen this a lot now with Ken Holland in when he's taking prospects. He likes to take players on the ones who have late birthdays and are maybe a year behind in their draft class, whatever, right? And group kind of fits that a little bit more. You've got a player who's more ripe, can come into the organization, make an impact right away for, like I said, a fifth round. But what did you say he was, a third rounder a couple of years ago? Yeah, in 2021, which is actually another reason why I love this, because we've already seen some prospects greatly outperform their draft stock from those COVID drafts. Like scouts just didn't have a chance to get Mm -hmm. enough of a look at these guys. It was a lot of players whose development kind of got stunted a little bit from not being able to play games, not being able to be on the ice consistently. And to me, this is a very Noah Philp-esque bet from the Oilers. Granted, this one costs you a fifth round pick. But I'm okay with that. The guy you take in the fifth round probably doesn't have the same upside. And I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke and be like, this guy could be a top six winger by this time next year or by the start of the next season, like blah, blah, blah. No, he's a bottom sixer. But I think he has a chance to be a good bottom sixer. And again, the COVID draft year could have messed with things a little bit. He could be a bit of a late developer. But let's look at the, the tools he has. Size, can't teach, and smarts, really can't teach it either. His offense is starting to pick up. He was well over a point per game during the Red Deer Rebels playoff run with 16 points in 12 games. 14 of those were assists. 
I think this is a guy who has a chance to hit as an NHLer for this team just because he brings a lot of those intangibles that you can't just teach, that don't just come with development. So a full year in Bakersfield, and and let's see. But I think this is a really smart gamble by Ken Holland. Yeah, I think I think it's well worth the risk. Can we pull up the scouting report again, Aaron? I just want to – you said defensive forward, right, as well? Like that, I feel like that's something that – the others kind of need within their organization is someone who has that defensive side to the game a little bit more. And the others are out there looking for these, obviously everyone wants top six forwards. If you can get one, that's great. But if you can get a guy like this, who can be a bottom six player for a few years from now, whenever that may be, and he's responsible, then you don't have to go out and get a, a Nick Bukestad, for example, at the trade deadline, right? You've already got it within your organization. So yeah, I think this is a very intelligent play by the Edmonton Oilers today. Yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see him play regular season NHL games next mm. season, but give yeah. the guy a full year in Bakersfield and uh, and why not? Christopher Palmer says, good thing he wasn't in the OHL. We wouldn't even know about him. And uh, Ryan Sharp says, well, we have a great history with centers from Red Deer as well. Um, I like that. I like both of those comments. I think they're very funny. Um yeah, Jaden Grub, newest member of the Edmonton Oilers. Only three picks now in the 2023 NHL draft. Do I even bother going to Nashville to do the shows live from there? Feels pointless. Just stick around for the second round, and then I guess you can go out, try some, what is it, Nashville hot chicken, and just come back yep. a few hours later. You'll be set. What could possibly yep. happen? <laughs> Nashville, such a boring city. How am I going to pass all that time? Um, yeah. There you go. News of the day. Oilers acquire Jaden Grubb. Uh, Brian's in and says, these are low-risk bets with potential high rewards. I love it. Yeah, listen, this isn't going to be a 25-goal guy in the NHL. This isn't going to be some out-of-nowhere top six forward. But you take bets like this because, like you said, Liam, having good homegrown talent in your bottom six is a good way to go about building an org- building a Stanley Cup contender. Because if you have Grubb playing for 750K and he's a legit impact guy, like you said, that's... 1.5 million, you're not going to need to go spend on a Nick Bukestad or whatever, right? Like, take these bets. They save you money. Guys on ELCs sliding into your lineup can give you a ton of value. I love this. Uh, Tyler Mulek said, I hope we still hold on to Philip. I certainly hope the Oilers do as well. He's a free agent coming up in about a month. He's an RFA with Arbrights. But I really think these two are very similar. So, We'll see. I don't know if that's exactly a tell or not on the future of Noah Philp, but certainly something to keep an eye on because he's a guy who I think can definitely factor into the big club next season. Uh, Some of you, yeah, going a little bit far with this. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, V2. Zach Cassian, Mm -hmm. V2. Probably not either of those, um, but he does shoot right, which is a thing that the Oilers always need to to keep in mind as well with the amount of lefties they have up in that forward group. So Jane Groom, Hopefully we uh, get the news right away here that he signed a a one-year deal. Um, But I also love Bruce Kerlock, our pal who watches, again, a lot of hockey, very similar to Stephen Ellis. He sent out this tweet two days ago. Two days ago, Bruce was on the case. In all seriousness, I would be reaching out to the Rangers to see if there was a deal for Jaden Grube. He's got some work to do, but he would be a nice fit in the Oilers organization. There you go. Bruce Kerlock, Nostradamus-esque calling that one a couple days ago. Yep. You got to believe in Bruce. Bruce knows. Bruce knows. What is it? Bruce and and Steve and Ellis are just two guys who is locked in every single day and literally every ounce of hockey. Very good followers on Twitter. 
Yeah, those are two guys we're very happy to have as friends of the show. Uh, before we get into our giant offseason question, let's keep picking around through the news of the day. Brad Tree Living taking over in Toronto. Liam, the organization officially announced it today. There's going to be a press conference to introduce him to uh, introduce him tomorrow from Calgary to Toronto. Uh, no stranger, obviously, to Canadian markets. No stranger to pressure. When you grow up as the heir to the Boston pizza fortune, you learn how to deal with things like outside noise, Liam. If your family created Bandera bread, I trust you with my hockey club. Um, what do you think of this hire? Like, I'm intrigued by it. This is a guy in tree living who's learned some, you would assume, learned some interesting lessons over the last 18 months being the GM of the Calgary Flames. You had two young stars walk away from your team one of which you were able to trade, the other one you watched leave for nothing after drafting and developing him. And now you're watching a Toronto Maple Leafs team where the big question is, what are they going to do with the core? Are they going to freshen up the core? Do one of them have to go? Matthews and Nylander, <laughs> both a year away from unrestricted free agency. This is a GM who got burned by letting a star player walk to UFA status a year ago. I wonder if he's not sitting there talking to Shanahan going, if I can't get extensions for these guys done this summer, we got to make a tough call. Yeah. I mean, if there's any man in the league, like you said, that's been in this situation before is, is Brad tree living. I, I honestly didn't realize he was with the Calgary flames for so long. And I think it's difficult to judge his time there because he did make them a, a more competitive team throughout his tenure there and like they what were they first in the western conference one year or something like that but they also won two playoff rounds in his in his nine-year tenure or whatever it was there right but i think he's a good general manager i am surprised that the leafs didn't go maybe a little bit bolder to be honest i don't really have any names but they just feel like the type of organization that always wants to be a little bit different and brad tree living just seemed like the very obvious answer i think he'll He'll do a decent job there. He knows how to make a competitive team, and that's what the Leafs want to be for a while. And, I mean, they've got a very good team there, but like you said off the top, yeah. if there's someone who knows how to get some value out of a superstar, it is Brad Tree living. Yep. Uh, Tyler Mulek is in and says, it feels like he wins most of his trades and signs very good players. Christopher Palmer, with all due respect, he's always been able to make deals no one knew was possible. And a lot of people are going to jump on him for the Matt Kachuk deal because Florida's in the Stanley Cup final. Matt Kachuk is a bonafide superstar. Here's what I'll say about that. A year ago, if you would have asked most people around the sport, who won the Jack Eichel trade? Everyone would have said clear-cut win for the Buffalo Sabres. You got Tuck. You mm -hmm. got a prospect in Krebs. Like, you got another pick. What a win. Vegas missed the playoffs. Buffalo's on the up and up. Now, if you were to ask people, you'd say, hey, it's a win-win. Both sides really got some good value. Vegas didn't lose that deal there in a cup final. Jack Eichel could very well win the Consmite this uh, this spring. Don't judge that Kachuk Huberto deal too quickly. Not that it'll ever be a clear cut win for the Flames. I think it'll always be a win for the Panthers because they'll have the best player from that deal. But with no Sutter, a fresh look, I think Huberto can bounce back. I think Uyghur can bounce back. I think there's, I think that deal can start to look a little bit better for the Calgary Flames. So I wouldn't be sitting here going, ah, he got fleeced on the Kachuk deal. He's going to do the same thing in Calgary or in Toronto. I don't think so. But he does have his work Dude. cut out for him in Toronto. Uh, their projected cap space mm -hmm. is $9.1 million for this summer. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forwards under contract, six D-men under contract, two goalies, one of which is Matt Murray. 
I have a sneaking suspicion Matt Murray might spend the year on LTIR. Nick Robertson Ooh. will be a forward who slots into their lineup as well. So we can throw an eighth forward under contract. And if the cap goes up more than $1 million, and you can put Murray on LTIR, you could actually be looking at a Leafs summer where they can spend closer to like $16 million and just operate in LTIR for the year. If you run with, you know, maybe you bring back Sam Sonov, just go with him and Joseph Wool. Maybe Brad Tree Living wants to take a look at Dan Vladar to be his next starting goalie. We know he's high on Vladar from his days acquiring him in Calgary as well. They have some money to make improvements is kind of my point here. They got to re-sign some pieces. Maybe they look around in free agency, but they're not like totally screwed from a cap perspective, but I get the sense they'll want to make a big splash. Uh, They have a first rounder still this year. It's the Bruins first rounder. They have a first rounder next year as well. No second rounders in each of the next three drafts. No third rounder in each of the next two of their own. They have the Islanders third rounder next draft. So the the pool, the draft pool is depleted in Toronto, but they got some money. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it, Liam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, this team is is still good. We all sit and laugh at Toronto, but at the end of the day, the, at least they're in the playoffs every single season, right? And have a very talented team. It's, I think the Matt Murray thing, like you said, is pretty obvious what's going to happen unless Kyle Dubas wants to bring him back to back to Pittsburgh with him that would be special I think for everyone um Ryan O'Reilly is going to be an interesting case I don't think Michael Bunton will already sign there at all he's just going to out budget himself I think and it's not going to work but one thing uh, I kind of I was looking at this the other day with Brad Tree living I, I feel like it's a trade that kind of gets forgotten but he also traded um, Dougie Hamilton and, and Adam Fox to Carolina in that deal, right? With uh, what was coming back, Noah Hannafin Lindholm and Elias Hannafin. Lindholm. Like he has been involved in a ton of big trades. He's just kind of it's kind of crazy to go back and look at it all. Yeah, like he's not afraid to take swings. Doctor Gonzo, this is what I was laughing at, Liam, during your answer. He said trading Matthews for Weger and Huberto. Hashtag run it back. Um, but yeah, Tree Living's never been afraid to take a swing. And listen, trading Adam Fox isn't a good look, but the context of that is Fox was never signing in Calgary. They had yeah. to just get rid of him, and he didn't hold a ton of value at the time. So getting Lindholm and Hannafin for Hamilton actually was a pretty solid deal, getting two really mm-hmm. good young players. So he wins trades. This isn't yeah. a guy... They didn't hire Shirelli here is kind of the point I wanted to get across. <laughs> Which would have been sick. That would have been really great for the entire league, I think. Yeah. Maybe the next job. I bet you Brad Tree Living's probably fairly happy with his decision to walk away from the Flames, though, eh? Probably getting more money. Get to try to be the GM that solves the Toronto Maple Leafs. That, that'd be, like, crazy tempting to me if I was someone in that position. It, it, this is going to be a stupid question, I think, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Tyler. Do you think the Leafs is the most intriguing GM job in the NHL? Thousands. Just if ever, yeah. Okay. I figured it was a bit silly, but I wanted to make sure well, I was no, on no, the same page. I don't think it's silly because it kind of got me thinking of who else is in that mix. I think Toronto is right there because if you're the guy to solve it, you're a god, right? If you win a ring in Toronto, you're probably going to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. I think Edmonton is second because you want to be the GM who does it with McDavid. I think Pittsburgh right now, I can't tell if they're third or 30th just because do you (laughs) want to be the GM who fails out the last four years of Sidney Crosby's career or something like that? But then there's also the side of you can be the GM who 
finishes Crosby's career in like an electric way, right? Makes a couple of moves, gets them back in contention, and you give those Penguins fans a couple more good runs. Pittsburgh, Edmonton, Toronto, those those three are all right up there. I think those are the three, actually. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh is three, not 30th. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of the three I had too. I just think the storylines are with them all. Like, is obviously teams like the Rangers and and Chicago, but Chicago I think is not as intriguing now as it would be in like three years when they're actually ready to do something. And the Rangers, it just feels like feels like they're always competitive anyway, and they've won somewhat recently, I guess, in like the nineties, and they've been to the finals a few times. So yeah, that would be my top three as well. Christopher Palmer says Pittsburgh is 32nd. Kyle the Embalmer said they're coming to rebuild time, but they're not quite yet no. coming to rebuild time in Pittsburgh. Like they're, they're there. It's getting there. They're definitely, the window is probably shut right now, but you can pry it back open. You got two more years of Sid, three more of Gino. Listen, they're over 35. I get it. The supporting cast isn't great there. But if you can just hit on a couple of moves to get some young talent in there, I think there's upside in Pittsburgh. Interested to see what they do between the pipes as well. But um, anyways, I digress. We've talked about other teams enough here, Liam. Uh, let's get into Frank Saravalli's article from today up at dailyfaceoff.com. Frank's going to join the show on Friday, by the way. But if you head to dailyfaceoff.com, you'll see Kyler Yamamoto's picture front and center on the site. And you go, whoa, that's weird. What's going on with Yamo? Then you read the headline. Oilers Kyler Yamamoto headlines five NHL buyout candidates in 2023 offseason. We talked about this as a possibility last week, Liam, but honestly, I, I didn't really think they would do it. Here's what Frank says. The scoop from Sarah Volley. Yamamoto struggled through this season with a lingering neck issue that impacted his production and consistency, suffering from a whiplash type of hit. At 10 goals and 25 points, the Oilers can ill afford that little impact next season, particularly on the right side. At a cap hit of 3.1 million, they can use the space better this summer. The preference, of course, would be a team to take a flyer on rehabbing Yamamoto for no cost, as they did with Pugliarvi at the deadline. Short of that, it makes little sense to attach an asset to him. Not when the the buyout's as good as it is, is basically what he goes on to say, because Yamamoto's that one-third buyout. And flash this up, A.B., because it's interesting to see Yamamoto at the top of this list with a bunch of guys who are kind of aging, and then you see a young Kyler Yamamoto in the mix there. The reason it makes sense if you missed our show last week is because of Yamamoto's age. Most of the time when you buy out a player, it's at two-thirds of his cost for double the amount of time. Because of Yamamoto's age being under 25 or under 26, whichever one it is, you get him for one-third of the cost. So Yamamoto's cap hit is 3.1 this coming season. If you buy him out, it drops to 433K, so a savings of about 2.7 million. And the year after, there's a 533K penalty attached to there. But at that point, the cap could likely be taking a big jump. Maybe you're not sweating out 533K all too much. If you think you can get a better version of Kyler Yamamoto on the free agent market for two and a half million bucks, then yeah, you probably do the buyout. I still think there will be a team somewhere who's willing to say, hey, we'll take the one-year stab at Yamamoto to see what we have in him. I, if you can move Pugliarvi for half a season, I think you can move Yamo for a full year. What say you, Liam? Yeah, I, I think so too. It, it is um, I don't like the idea of having more dead cap space, especially in the era that the Oilers are in and how much they 
just they just got out of it all right the the value on yeah. yamamoto though isn't like too crazy with what the buyout would be it, it is worrisome that he's number one on this list which makes it indicate that this is not the market that we think could be there for yamamoto and also the trade that the Oilers made today for a fifth round pick uh, with the first round pick going, it's probably something you would have had to attach to that. So the others lose another pick in the draft. I don't yeah. hate the idea, but I just hope there's somebody out there that would just take a flyer on Yamo because when he's healthy, he is an effective player, and hopefully a team can see that. He's just been a it's been a difficult year for him with his injuries, to be honest. And it's unfortunate he's come to this after only signing a new deal last summer. But the others don't have time to wait around and see what Yamamoto can do next season when the free agency is just around the corner. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, man. Uh, like, I love the guy. I really do. And he's great in the room. And, and I see that Owens brought that up as well. He's great in the room. They love the guy. Drysaddle likes playing with him, but you need production for 3.1. Also, they do still have James Neal on the books, two more years at 1.9 million. So do you want more than $2 million in dead cap space sitting there? I don't know. I'm really torn on it. I think you should be able to move him for nothing. I think a rebuilding team will look at him and go, hey, he might fit in with our young core. At the end of the day, he's still 24. This guy's NHL career is not coming to an end, even if they do buy him out. But the Oilers just, you can't have wasted value when you're this tight to the cap. And Yamamoto at this point, I think you'll have a hard time living up to that $3.1 million AAV next year. I also wouldn't be surprised if he goes somewhere, starts getting some puck luck and pops some 22 goals next season. So it would worry me. It's far from a safe play to go the buyout route with uh, with one Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, we'll, we'll have more on that Friday when Frank joins the show, though. Uh, let's for now get into our Sherwood Ford giant offseason question of the day, Liam, brought to you by Sherwood Ford the giant. Tomorrow is June. They got some, some fun stuff going on with a charity angle. We'll tell you more about that on tomorrow's show. But today, Liam, our giant offseason question is this. What take from this season were you most wrong about? Zach Lang over at OilersNation.com did a look back at kind of his season previews. He reviewed his previews. So you can go read that 
at the site. But Liam, you dug back on our shows a little bit and, and found some of our predictions and a few that we were wrong about. What did you find? Yeah, so this was back on our October 5th show, which I believe was probably the third show that we had, we did. So obviously the big one was uh, you said the Bruins were going to miss the playoffs, which we all know what happened really? with that. But my favorite yeah. part about it was that Genesis said, not bold enough, Tyler, in the chat. So that was good. Uh, you also said that the Oilers were going to have eight 20 goal scorers and specifically named Holloway, Paul Yavi, and Ryan McLeod to be within that group. Thoughts on that take? Son of a gun. Uh, <laughs> how many did, did Kane even get to 20 this year? Uh, uh, no, I think it was just Hyman. So the others got four. Hyman, Nuge. Oh, no, I guess. No, Bukestad did not. So, yeah, it was Hyman, Nuge, Dry McDavid. Yeah. So four. Okay. So I w- I got halfway there is uh, is what you're telling me regular season. So here's where I'll give myself a little bit of slack on that. Evander Kane crushes that if he plays all even 60 games, yeah. right? Like he he missed exactly half the year and scored 13. So there's that. Ryan McLeod only played in 57 games. So did Clem Costin, although I didn't name Clem Costin. Like if one of those guys is healthy, maybe they get in there. But yeah, all in all, I was obviously way too optimistic about Yamamoto and Pugliarvi um, and Dylan Holloway as well, who only played uh, 51 games and only scored three goals. Tyler Mulek was in with uh, one of his, his cold take is that Holloway was going to push for the Calder trophy. I mean, we were all on board with that one, right? So yeah, it's everyone was wrong there. Uh, Anyways, Liam, what else do you have? So the Holloway one was something we both discussed as well. Frank came on that show and his hot take was, it's not his fault, but he said if Vander Kane would hit 40, that was what he said. Now onto what I said. I said Evan Bouchard would score 20 goals this season. Overall, he finished with 12. He had eight in the regular season, four in the playoffs. No, I don't think it was horrendous. He had a terrible first half of the season, which really let me down yeah. on that one. But, uh, I, we both agreed that the others would be the highest scoring team in the NHL, which we nailed. And the other one I had was that five Pacific teams would make the playoffs this season. Only four teams made it. However, I went on to say that the Vegas Golden Knights would be the fifth seed in the Pacific division after they went on to win the Western Conference. And I also labeled the Anaheim Ducks as the most dangerous team in the division because we don't know what they're going to be. And we truly didn't. And they turned out to be absolutely horrendous. And <laughs> I said the roster was pretty good and had some good offseason signings. So that was the big one for me is saying Anaheim was going to be good this season. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, Dr. Gonzo says his cold take was that Campbell was going to be in the Vesna conversation. That was one of mine as well. Um, I, I remember going on radio shows in Vancouver and Calgary to talk Oilers. And my big thing, I was like, listen, last year, the Oilers goaltending had all these peaks and valleys. I said, with Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner, the floor is so much higher. I was like, you might not get the lights out stretches you got with Mike Smith. But I said, you won't get these freezing cold stretches that you got with Smith and Koskinen. And boy, was I uh, was I wrong about that because it really they were worse than the Mike Smith cold stretches. <laughs> what do we got here? Ryan Sharp is in and says, was Tyson Berry not getting traded the January 16th show? No. 
Oh, oh, his worst take was Tyson Berry was not getting traded on the January 16th show. Um, yeah, I mean, at the time, like, mm. I, I, there were points in the year where I was like, oh, they're definitely not trading Barry now. Like, he's way too valuable to team. He was having a good year. So, uh, Owen is in and says his worst take was Boston would be lower than Buffalo. Yeah, no, I'm, hey, man, I was right there with you. Scotty had Buffalo, <laughs> Ottawa, and Vancouver all making the playoffs as well. So, I mean, it's hard to tell, right? Every year there's, Two or three teams that do way better than everyone thought. And there's two or three teams that just do way worse than everyone thought or don't take the step forward that everyone thought as well. Um, yeah, Chris says, I thought Seattle was going to suck again. I honestly did too. I thought their goaltending was junk and it stayed junk, but they somehow found a way to fight through it. So uh, there you go. There's our Sherwood Ford giant offseason question of the day. Our freezing cold takes from the start of the season. Definitely some doozies in there from us. But guess what? We're going to get suckered into being optimistic again next September. What, what did you learn, though, Tyler? That's, that's what we need to know. What did you learn from this experience? Quit buying into the one hyped-up oiler from the preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably one we should have learned we, a few years ago. We really got to learn that lesson as a fan base. Like, We got to stop doing this. If Jaden Groob comes in and scores a preseason <laughs> hat trick, I'm still saying they got to send him to Bakersfield, you know? What was the uh, what was the Ty Ratty thing you said in the office the other day from your fantasy hockey league? Was that you? Oh yeah, there was one year I traded Ty Ratty or I traded William Nylander for Ty Ratty a week into the season because I was so convinced Ratty was going to be the answer. That was a tough look. Yeah, that's uh, that's not the best one in the world. We we were all there. We all took Ty Ratty in the top three rounds to see if he was available. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to our friends at Sherwood Ford, the Giant. They are supporting the Boys and Girls Club Strathcona County Charity Golf Tournament tomorrow. They're big in supporting charity golf tournaments. They do a ton of great stuff out at Sherwood Ford, the Giant. Check them out, SherwoodFord.ca. Let's move along today on the show, Liam. Every day we grade a different oiler for their performance in the 2022-23 season. It's brought to you by Star Mechanical, Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company. Today's an easy one, Ryan Murray. Just kidding. We're absolutely not grading Ryan Murray and his, what, six games he played as an Edmonton Oiler? Actually, how many games do you think Ryan Murray played as an Oiler? 13, yeah. I didn't know you'd know the answer. I I almost made the graphic. I I began the graphic. I was waiting for your grades, and you sent me me dry side off. I had no interest in actually grading how Ryan Murray did this year. So we're skipping number 28 and we're going to number 29. The big German Leon Dreisaitl. 80 games on the year. Another 50 goal year tucked in for Leon Dreisaitl. And the second or third most productive regular season we've seen in the league this century. Yet still, Leon Dreisaitl at the All-Star break when he was second in league scoring said, I'm not happy with my game. And then towards the end of the year, the guy took over. He went supernova mode down the stretch. There were points this guy was their best forward. For that, I give him an A, Liam. I think from October to January to February, I would have had him at an A-. minus. And then his performance from All-Star break on was just so damn good that it was an A+. So I averaged it out to an A. I know it is weird to be like, oh, he had this third most productive season in any in the NHL this century. How are you not giving him an A plus for that? But I do think there were some tough moments for Leon Dreisaitl. I don't know if what we saw this year was his absolute 
best or his peak. And that sounds so weird, but this guy has 60 goal potential. This guy has the potential to be one of the best all around centermen in the game. And I think for stretches this year, we just didn't necessarily see that. So I give dry an a for his performance this year. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, to be honest, Tyler. And it looks like a lot of people in the chat are, are agreeing with you as well. There was, you could kind of see that something was lingering on him for a while there for, for most of the season. And then all of a sudden he just turned it on. And both of us said on this show that Leon Dreisaitl might be the best player in the world right now a few times. And that's with Conor McDavid existence. So Dreisaitl, yeah, I think it's fair. I think what is kind of like Evan Bouchard in a similar way, except Dreisaitl's rate was still very, very high when he wasn't great. But then into the playoffs, like that man just put the team on his back for some games and went absolute supernova and 100% chance of returning. I would have made it 110 if I could, Tyler, but that is not yep. a real number. Uh, Brian's in and says, how can't you do A-plus for the second best season in the modern era? And I'm just going to go to a Christopher Palmer comment. Five-on-five five play could use a bit of an improvement. And there are things that still drive you nuts with Leon Dreisaitl. And that's why I'm saying this season wasn't his absolute best. He has room to improve. I'm not grading him on the scale of the everyday NHLer. I'm grading him on the Leon Dreisaitl scale here. And I think this guy, as insane as it sounds because of the year he just had, I think this guy has more to give. The guy was a goal per game in the playoffs. Over a goal per game. 13 goals in 12 games. A plus for the playoff grade. Just because that's like bananas to have 13 goals in 12 games. And I thought there were a lot of moments where he just took over hockey games. I love it. A plus in the playoffs, A in the regular season. Those are my grades for uh, for Leon Dreisaitl. 100% chance of returning. Like, let's be real. They're not moving that guy anytime soon. I fully expect another eight-year extension one day for Leon Dreisaitl here in Edmonton. A lot of you doing the Dreisaitl better than Matthews thing. Yeah, I think as of right now, it, that's a that's a pretty easy choice to make when you look at a guy who put up 128 points this season and another guy who couldn't hit the 50 goal mark this year. So uh, there's your player grade for Star Mechanical Edmonton's number one plumbing and heating company. Liam, let's. Uh, do you think uh, first off, do you think I'm being unfair with the comment about the five on five play at all? Uh, no, not at all. I think you're being unfair to Boston Bruins fans saying there's not a chance he leaves this season. To be honest, Tyler. Hey, now come on. But I just, again, I, I'm. it's so weird to say negative things about a guy who's a consistent 50-goal scorer and put up 128 points. But, like, everyone who watches him closely throughout the year sees the things that I see that drive you absolutely nuts about the player. And you don't have those things really with McDavid. Like, I think if Dreisaitl was... If, if he got it in his head that he's the best goal scorer in the NHL, he scores 65 goals next year. He passes up a lot of opportunities. We see him get pissy to quote uh, Jim Matheson. We see him get pissy and take bad penalties from time to time. I know there's a lot of people who get mad with the slow skates off the ice when he's changing. It cost them a goal in the playoffs mm-hmm. as well at one point. So again, there's he leaves you wanting more, which is so frustrating because it's like or weird because how do you say that about a guy who scored 52 goals? But he does. He does leave you wanting a little bit more, which is why I didn't give him A pluses across the board. Still a damn good player. Second or third best player in the NHL. But somehow he leaves you wanting more. It's just, it's weird, Liam. That's all. Yeah. I I mean, I fully agree with you, Tyler. There's moments that you look at me like, come on, man. Like, you need to lead by example by doing everything on the ice, right? And nine times out of 10, he does. But that one out of 10, like, sometimes it really is irritating. But 
it's hot. It's very different. Would be a nitpicky for sure, but second best player in the world right now. So, yep. All right. Let's wrap up the show with our AMA travel trade machine. Head to amatravel.ca slash dreams to find out how they can make your summer vacation. One to remember and really take all the work out of it as well, which is a great thing about AMA travel. Liam, this might be the biggest blockbuster deal we've ever broken down on Oilers nation every day. Put it up, Aaron. It's Anthony Mantha. Wow. We have Detroit here. We have Detroit. It's Washington. He's a member of the Washington Capitals. He went to Washington. Oh, he was traded in the. That's right. Verana deal. Sorry. Damn it. Yeah. Come on. Oh, well. Anyways, it's <laughs> Anthony Mantha for a 2025 third round pick. And where I'm going with this, Chicago needs bodies. They have like $47 million in cap space. They need some players who can go play with Connor Bedard next season. Washington, hey, we just saw Frank's list. Anthony Mantha is a potential buyout candidate in Washington. Now, you might be sitting there going, why would Chicago give up anything if he's just going to be a buyout candidate? I think that Mantha has some trade value. I'm not sure he's like a great buyout candidate. $5.7 million next year. That would help Chicago eat up some cap space. No long-term commitment, so they keep their options open down the line as well. He is a big winger, six foot five. He's proven he can score 20 goals at the NHL level. If you're Chicago, why would you not want a guy like that next to Connor Bedard who can maybe stand up for him a little bit on the ice, be that kind of a presence? And yeah, you give up a third round pick in a couple of years. Maybe it's even less than that. But I do think Mantha has a little bit of trade value. You save Washington the buyout, so they're just looking to get rid of him and open up some cap space. And you get a guy for one year who eats up some cap space and gives you a legitimate top nine winger to play with Connor Bedard. I think this makes sense. I Yeah. Is, is Chicago's just going to have to find these guys who are wanted anywhere for cheap value, right? Because they literally do not have a team for the most part. There were so many holes to fill. So yeah, I don't mind this one for, for Mantha. I think I would maybe go a little lower on the pick and just try and get him as cheap as I could from the Washington Capitals. And then go from there. But <laughs> I think Mantha does have some value. Like you said, he's still a decent player. He just gets paid a little bit yep. too much. Yeah, I think that's all it is. Decent player paid too much. And where I where I also wanted to spin this is, why wouldn't Chicago want to take a stab on Kyler Yamamoto? American-born winger, has played with a lot mm-hmm. of skill before, four checks hard. Again, I think what they should be trying to do is just get a bunch of guys with one year left on their deal. Because again, you might not be able to attract free agents all that well because you're far away from win now mode. But if you can get a bunch of these guys on one year deals, do the Max Domi thing, acquire them, cost you a couple picks, whatever, trial these guys for a year with Bedard, get to know what kind of player he's going to work well with, maybe what he doesn't work well with. And next offseason, all that cap space opens back up and you can really kick it into high gear as an organization. This isn't an Arizona situation because Arizona hates spending money. Chicago can spend the money. They're making so much off this Bedard thing and all the new season tickets and the jerseys and whatnot. They are all good spending the cap space, but I don't think they want long-term commitments here. So go take stabs on guys to have bounce back years. Mantha, Yamamoto, I'm sure there's others. And see what works with Bedard. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, they kind of already did that, right? Last summer, signing, like you said, Adomi and Anthony Sioux. And for those players, too, to come in and on these one-year deals, it 
is kind of beneficial to them as well because they can showcase themselves and also showcase themselves to Chicago. And then maybe they get a nice payday at the end of the season anyway from the Blackhawks. Like it looks like Anthony C will probably get this season because nobody else really wants him and Chicago kind of needs him. So yeah, I, I don't mind that idea. Like what's what's the risk, right? Yamamoto and Mantha are both NHL caliber players who can play a decent role. So I think it's good good shouts for Chicago to go out and grab yep. a couple of guys like that. There you go. That's our trade machine for AMA travel. We'll keep that going here through uh, June as well. Uh, let's talk about some other sports brought to you by our friends at Betway. Still uh, no hockey on tonight. No NBA finals on tonight, which means this is a Blue Jays segment. And hey, little bit of, I tweeted it yesterday, a little bit of positive regression for our Toronto Blue Jays, mm-hmm. Liam. They had six hits their first trip through the order. And I think only one of them was like a hard hit ball. They, they're starting to get some luck and some breaks, which they so desperately needed. Kikuchi, tough start, bounces back, gives them some length. Nate Pearson, legit bullpen solution for the Blue Jays as well. I know you're not a diehard Jays guy, Liam, but uh, they'll draw you in. They'll sucker you in at some point this summer. Yeah, I, I dive into them eventually. I I don't really know. I kind of wait for all the other sports to die out, and then that's when I really get into the Blue Jays. But Nate Pearson, wasn't he supposed to be some stud starting pitcher for a while and got hurt, right? And now now he's back? Yeah. Oh, what's the story? Yeah, basically he was supposed to be their future ace, front of the rotation guy. Injuries and a few other things really caught up to him. But now he's in as kind of like a bullpen arm. He's trying to establish himself as a reliever. And yesterday he struck out like four of the seven batters he faced in two innings and only allowed one base runner. He's finding his game. And tonight against the Brewers, uh, Alec Manoa will be looking to find his game as well. Uh, One in five on the year, 5.53 ERA. His numbers are absolutely putrid. Going up against the Brewers, the Jays are minus 165 favorites, plus 120 on the run line, though. That might be worth a sprinkle. Maybe you want to get some value on a Manoa bounce back. Shout out to Betway, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Uh, tomorrow on the show, what should we do tomorrow on the show, Liam? I don't know. Should we? We could probably find a guest, I suppose. Should we? Should we see what Bruce is doing, perhaps? Yeah, I could. The- I could. I could shout out Bruce. I also want to go. I want to hit up every team in the Pacific Division and do like an offseason mm. preview kind of for them. So we could always look to maybe start that tomorrow as well. But yeah, we should probably find a guest for tomorrow. And then Friday, Jay and Frank both uh, both going to hop onto the show as well. So we'll get some interesting offseason stuff from Sarah Valley and some nonsense from Jay, as we like to do on Fridays uh, every day, Monday through Friday from the Sports Closet Studio. That's going to be a wrap on today's edition of the show. Shout out to Sherwood Ford, Star Mechanical, AMA Travel, and Betway. Also, everyone who watched along on the YouTube chat, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button before you go. And we'll chat again tomorrow at noon mountain time. 